my colleague looked at me and you know he he looked at me and was like, "Hey, Sean, you know you're a really damn useless Chinese man." Right? And I was like, "Yeah, bro. You know that's that's kind of like that's it. That 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 was for me. That was like the indictment. You know that was like it. That was the judgment." The moment that I realized, wow, like this is pretty, this is looking pretty terrible. Hello, world. This is Kyle Pang, and thank you for tuning in to the Third Space. We're glad to have you here. This podcast will uncover diverse narratives of this vast world we're a part of. After all, we're all storytellers, with some stories told and some left untold. So here's the Third Space, a space where culture collides, a space to normalize unique narratives in a space to ultimately empower one another to embrace our God-given purposes and identities. On part two of episode two, we go through the state of languages and dialects in Singapore, drawing from experiences from Sean as a policeman as well as back home. And lastly, we talk about the gray area between economic growth versus language and cultural preservation. Enjoy. So moving to the meat and potatoes of how this conversation even started in the first place. Man. Subtle Asian traits. Alrighty. So Sean wrote this post um, and I'll let him take it away of what, what he shared in the first place and kind of give a summary of his, his thoughts there. Um, but it was definitely, there's so much to unpack there. So Sean, would you like to take it away? Tell us what the article initially was about. Right. Kind of where your headspace was when you're reading that article right. and really what led you to post and then we can dive into what you posted and how mm-hmm. you know this discussion stemmed from that that post right um i'll get into a little bit more detail because i think it's important to to understand where i was Please. coming from yeah so i i'm this semester i'm taking an international uh relations class uh and part of the the, the reading load or the workload is reading the economist um, magazine. So I was kind of scrolling through like the, the weekly article, uh, the weekly issue and came across a, an article about Singapore and it was written more as an op-ed. It was about how Singapore is losing its mother tongue. Um, mother tongue is defined in Singapore as the language that you are taught in school based on your racial or ethnic background, right? So again, we've, we've mentioned that English is the de facto first language. Um, but if you're Chinese Singaporean, Malay Singaporean, or Indian Singaporean, you are also taught supplementary, quote unquote, mother tongue. Uh, so for Chinese people, it'd be Mandarin. Uh, Malay, you'd be taught Bahasa Malayu. And Indian, you, I believe most of them would speak, would be taught Tamil. I'm not quite sure about Hindi, but Tamil, I know for sure. Um, and it was addressed, this article kind of addressed, uh, you know, Chinese Singaporeans and how uh, Singapore's implementation of English as a first language has caused you know, generations uh, to come, younger generations, to slowly lose touch and lose the application and even learning of uh, these dialects or mother tongues. Uh, now, Chinese dialects specifically are were, were the topic here. And the reason why they were quote-unquote at risk is because there's no, spoke, there's no written language for dialects. They are spoken dialects, right? So it's not like you can write Canto or you can write right. uh, Hokkien or uh, Hakka. These mm-hmm. are spoken. So it's purely passed on by, by, by your parents or by people around you who speak it. And the article kind of tackled the fact that, you know, Singapore is kind of at a crossroads 
um, where for the sake of, you know, keeping up economically uh, on the world stage and being relevant, we have kind of sacrificed uh, any kind of commitment um, towards cultural roots, in this case, through dialects. Uh, and for, for the sake of, you know, being, again, uh, relevant on the world stage, you know, being the English speaking economic powerhouse that we are. Um, and it kind of hit a note with me. It was a very, it was a pretty depressing read. I mean, honestly, like, it's just like, damn. And then uh, it kind of hit me that, you know, I, I propagate that scenario very well. You know, I don't, when I go to meetups with my relatives, I'm not able to communicate with them half the time, you know, unless they speak English to me or they speak in English amongst themselves. Um, and then that's where it kind of hit me that, you know, that's pretty sad. That's pretty sad. Um, despite growing up in a, outside of Singapore, you know, like it, it's a little sad to realize that you can't really communicate effectively with the people that, you know, you love the most, um, you know, whether it's your grandmother, stuff like that. Um, and that kind of got me thinking, you know, I was like, well, um, what, 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 what needs to be done? Like, why, why is this the case you know, on an individual level? Of course, I'm not going to diagnose an entire population, but for me, why is this the case? Why, why am I unable to speak dialect? And again, attributing to the fact that I spoke English at home exclusively. Um, my mom, she's half Canto, half Hokkien. My dad is Hakka. So I technically have had the ability, you know, I'm descended from in terms of ethnicity. I'm not sorry, not ethnicity, but by dialect, I, I have, I could have had the ability to learn all three. Um, mm -hmm. Now, simply because of the reality of staying abroad, my parents obviously didn't think it was necessary um, to learn that language and there would be no application. Again, you know, it's, the expectation is not really unfounded because there is no expected application of any kind of these dialects. Um, so the post I, I wrote was mainly highlighting two things, two specific um, moments in my life. Uh, the first was a when I was a cop and there was a call for two elderly neighbors, ladies, they were having a, a dispute or a fight. And it was one of those low level cases. So we took our time. My partner, he was Indian Singaporean. Um, so, and this was around one or two months that I was posted into that precinct. So I was fairly new. Uh, so we both split up, had our interviews with each, each lady. And mine was interesting because uh, the, the lady, seeing that I was you know, Chinese, assuming that I could speak Hokkien, started going off and hawking to me and then me being me like i'm trying to be nice you know i don't want to be a you know looking like a terrible person so i i just nod along as she speaks hawking without understanding a word that she said uh and i and the only saving thing that i could do for myself was to say the only word in hawking that i could kind of figure out which was tio. Tio is just yes so the implication is that yes i understand as she was talking i was like tio, 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 tio. uh <laughs> It took her around like two or three minutes to kind of get the gist. And she kind of looked at me. And she was like, she was like, you don't understand Hokkien, right? And I'm like, no. She's like, <laughs> okay. So I was like, can you speak Mandarin? Can we try Mandarin? And then she went off in Mandarin. And then I was kind of like, 
I have no idea what you're going. Can Maman, Maman, hey, Auntie, Maman, hey, Maman, can you ma? That's my quiet. It's like, please slow down. Slow like, down. Don't, yeah. yeah, don't slow down. And then she got pissed. I mean, to be fair, like, if you're talking to a police officer for like eight minutes and he has no <laughs> idea what you're talking about, like, she got pissed. She was like, oh, hell no. So she summoned my, my Indian colleague uh, who to speak in her, to speak to her in Malay, Bahasa Malayu. And take note that my, my colleague, his second language, uh, his third language is Bahasa Malayu. His first would be English, his second would be Tamil, and his third would be like barely conversational Malayu. Uh, so he somehow managed to, 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 to get the information for her while I kind of stood next to him, like sheepishly, like looking, you know, getting like, uh, like a shitty glare from like the auntie. And she's like looking at me like, quasi me quiet, you know? You know? And then, you know, I went back to the vehicle after, and then my. <laughs> My my colleague looked at me and you know he he, he looked at me and he was like, "Hey, Sean, you know you're a really damn useless Chinese man." Right? And I was like, "Yeah, bro. You know that's that's kind of like that's uh, it. That 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 was for uh, me. That was like the indictment. You know that was like it. That mm-hmm. was the judgment. The moment that I realized, wow, like this is pretty. This is looking pretty terrible. Um, and then the second incident." Uh, the second incident occurred many, many times, but obviously this specific time, my grandmother, you know, she was in recovering in a, like in an elderly like facility from operation. And then it was like the Lunar New Year and, you know, I'm in the U.S. in college and I'm trying to talk to her. Um, normally, I think prior to that, like, you know, I've been able to kind of get by with basic Mandarin with her. Um, but, you know, she was feeling ill and she was, you know, speaking in Hokkien. So... I wasn't able to communicate anything that was worth communicating in English because she wouldn't understand. Um, so my mom had to be by her side, you know, translating. And I was like, it kind of hit me, you know, it was really sad to see her, you know, yeah. um, she wasn't doing so hot. And then it was just kind of like a slap in the face. I felt that, you know, I can't even communicate to her, you know, how much I care. And like, I hope that she gets well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of hit a personal chord. Um, and so these two specific events kind of linked into the article. And I, and I know, again, you know, that my story and the perception and the, you know, the, the, the events that I told in, in that post, uh, these were going to be misinterpreted simply because of the Facebook format, right? I'm never going to be able to give the amount of context. But for me, like the spirit of what I was writing about was to encourage young people, uh, even if you do not have the ability or you just simply don't care enough to learn um, Hokkien or dialect or Mandarin uh, or, or, or Malay or Tamil, right? In the Singapore context. Um, even if, if you don't want to learn it, I think it's still important to remember and be aware of yes. the fact that you do, you do need to have a little bit of humility and respect towards the mindfulness of understanding that this is literally where you came from. These mm-hmm. were the languages of your people, right? And it's not like a bunch of, you know, like people from China back in the day just starting spoke English and, and everything happened. No, they, they didn't speak English. They spoke Hakka, they spoke Cantonese, they spoke Hokkien, you know? Um, and I think that was something that maybe in the mentality of Singapore is hard to grasp with because 
-hmm. Singapore is not a country with a lot of history. Right? We don't have a lot of national cohesion other than what was socially implemented. And what I mean by that is, you know, we don't have a national dress. We don't have national clothing. We don't have a national dance. We don't have a lot of these things. And a lot of these kind of cultural and historical things have been discarded in favor of progress, 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 right? Economic powerhouse. We don't have any natural resources. So we as people have to adapt to whatever, wherever the money is coming from. And in this case, it'd be, you know, globalization and cohesion with the West and stuff like that. So yeah. remembering that the people who came over here or who were already here in the case of Malays, right? They, mm -hmm. they didn't succeed or, or they, we, you know, our, our ancestors and the people before us didn't succeed because they all spoke English. They, they came yes. speaking all of these different languages and it's one thing to not be able to speak it. I mean, I don't personally don't fault anyone because I can barely speak uh, you know, proficient anything, mm -hmm. um, but it's something else to also be like, it really doesn't matter. You know, I, I also have friends who just intentionally just not disassociate themselves from speaking Mandarin. And for me, it's like, okay, like I understand why, you know, many of us are the same circumstances, but it's one thing in action that I won't judge you, but for your attitude, I think that that needs to be something that young people like us, because we are going to be the next generation, young people like us, we have to really focus, uh, and remember and develop attitudes that really cultivate respect and also a willingness to relearn. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, I think, so, Sean, that's such a great point. I think that first off, what a crazy story right there. Right. That's, I can only imagine how tough that is, right? Just right. serving for, yeah, just serving in a country that, you know, you're still learning. It's crazy, right? Um, yeah. And I even think back, I think you made a couple good points there, especially even with Singapore's history. I mean, we're able to speak, and I think both of us recognize this very deeply, that we're able to speak from a position of privilege. Yes. That where I say, hey, like, if Singapore didn't actually, like, get built up, like, me and you probably wouldn't, you know, our parents probably would have jobs that actually globally relocated us. You and I will probably not be going to school in the U.S., right? A lot of exactly. that comes from that. but. I remember actually um, early this year when I was in Singapore, I was talking to one of my childhood friends from kindergarten actually. And we're just at the, the rooftop bar in Marina Bay Sands, probably one of my favorite bars in the world, yeah. honestly, looking at everything, right? The Bay yeah. of Singapore. And we're just looking at each other. I was like, man, like, is this better? Like, is this it? Like capitalism, progress, like, yes. Like it gives us more... Um, buying power in life right more more access right but was it worth it you know i mean I, there's no there's not really an answer but it's really that it's interesting isn't it like yeah it's such a great area of like yeah we're able to have <sighs> all these opportunities because of how singapore built up but at the same time at what cost but even if if we just remained as is what it was before would people be happier without having right. corporate jobs right like there's no there's not really an answer i think exactly. the, and, then and then the second point you made there i think it's interesting is that for progress to be made and then for I think more of the economy, right? English is still a working language of the world, yes. right? And we see this in in all all countries, even in China with the dialects dying out and just Mandarin Chinese being the main working language, right? Mm -hmm. That or even in the US. Speak English, you're in America, we hear that all the time, right? Um, right. 
And sometimes I think about this, even for our third culture kit self, because we can, we, we come from a hybrid identity and are able to code switch, right? And we kind of yes. adapt and fit in. But sometimes I think about, it's like, yeah, it's easier to fit in. But to what extent am I actually perpetuating like what Singapore is going through? Yeah, we, we can't speak the dialects, but for the cultures that we have heard and been a part of, isn't it a waste if I just come back to LA and just be American? Right? Yeah. Like I'm sacrificing some of my Singaporean roots or some of that learnings from my other friends in China. Right. right? So I think it's, it's, it's such a great topic of discussion here. And I think that, you know, just moving along with the, with the comments that you got, Oh my goodness, right. we, we see both sides. Right. And, yeah. and first off, I think you said a, a bunch of great things in that post. Right. Um, a couple of things that I wanted to, to bring up here. You talked about, you know, Shanghai um, and that expat life, you know, though privileged, but really it's a splattering of culture exposure. Half right. I think that's, that's great. Right. That's really the third culture kit. I think mm-hmm. you literally captured right there. Mm-hmm. And then um, I think that the two last points that I love, you said this, I learned to understand that my identity is not beholden to anyone's cultural expectation of what a Singaporean person should be. Another great point, right? Even in a diverse um, environment, a diverse diverse country, there are social expectations. Yes. And it's not really about um, fitting in to people, um, what people think that you should be, and the role you should play, but rather having that open concept, that attitude, like you said, right. Right? right? And then the last thing, the banger right here, there is much value in keeping these languages in our society, in our homes and abroad. It's just a shame I had to realize it all in hindsight. Right. That moved me. That moved me. I'm with you there too, yeah. right? My, my family comes from, see my dad's side, it's Hainanese. And then my mm-hmm. mom, same as yours, Hokkien and Cantonese. Right. And, and I don't, Cantonese, I barely understand something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Barely, barely, right? Yeah. But that's it. And, and I think even about, you know, this, this topic of language can even be taking a step back and look at Singaporeans hawker culture, which I'm a big fan of. And I think yes. you are too. And I'm as a big fan of Anthony yeah. Bourdain, RIP, yeah. you know, in Dude, his episode RIP, of Singapore, I think he really yeah. hits the, the nail on the head there saying, yeah, yes, yeah, Singapore is moving so much into progress and hawker centers are so, so cheap. You can definitely yeah. get a meal under five bucks, right? Five US yeah. dollars easily. But he's talking about, yeah, this all, this, and I mean, Singaporean cuisine, it really is a fusion of, you know, different cultures, right? Whether within the Chinese culture of mixing or Peranakan food, Malay, mm-hmm. Chinese, right? There's so much fusion, but he's talking about how the next generation is not going to continue these stalls. Why, first off, you're in hot food courts, right? Singapore's humid place, you're, there's no AC. Um, you're working long, long hours, working hard, not really having strong profit margin. And this country of people are very, very highly educated, mostly, right? So if you have the choice, right, you can be a doctor, a lawyer, I mean, stereotypical Asian occupations. Mm. He's talking about who's going to continue this, right? And so I, I think that's, that's such a great point there. Yeah, I mean, there's a, I've had this discussion, again, with many friends. Um, I think Singapore is you know, even just by looking at just like demographics, one of the countries that are most similar, I think the only country that's really, really most similar would be at inception would be very much the U S maybe Canada, somewhat of the UK, um, 
just by racial demographics and social like structure. Yeah. You know, they, it, no one, it is a non-homogenous by race. It is, it's homogeneity is not defined by race per se, right? Um, in, in other countries where it's very much homogenous, you know, Korea, Japan, uh, Brazil, you know, countries like that, that have a very structured way of life based on racial ethnicity. Singapore is different. Singapore's homogeneity is not based on, um, on race or ethnicity. It's based more on, on wealth, right? It's based on the perception of where we as a country yes. want to go. Um, and very much like the U.S. is a global experiment, Singapore is also an experiment, right? Both the U.S. and Singapore, you have to give a certain amount of credit to the fact that each government is operating with no blueprint. It's not like the U.S. has like a playbook for like how we're going to, you know, what we want our, our civilization to look like, what we want to look our country look like. And Singapore very much, you know, on a smaller scale also looks like that. Um, but because of this scale, a lot of these questions tend to become more exacerbated over a quicker amount of time, meaning that people kind of realize these things, uh, they either never realize or everyone realizes it very, very soon. Um, and it's that realization, it can be many things. It can be, uh, oh, wow, holy crap. Like my grandparents like lived in a freaking, you know, they lived in a, in a, in a, in a shack, right? And then 50 years later, they're living in multiple apartments. They have houses where we're doing very well. You know, my, my son or daughter is a lawyer here or a doctor there, you know, and, and that kind of exacerbation over a very short time frame, I think is what makes Singapore a little bit more different. And it hopefully, I mean, my hope is that it forces people to be a lot more introspective and, and, you know, ask questions and start to find deeper meanings past that of just, I'm making 80K a year, you know, I have a kid and a car, you know, that's, you know, for me is, yeah, that's a tangible good things, but um, trying not to lose that sense of awareness, I guess. Um, and, you know, Singapore obviously faces very different challenges, even amongst Asia. Like, like it, it never really hit me, but like, I kind of thought about it recently. I was like, even in Asia, like Asians look at Singapore like very, very differently. Most of them, many Asians don't quite understand Singapore, right? There's no, they, they, you know, they don't see any national, again, like I mentioned, national dress, national language, national, like, uh, clothing or dance. They, they don't see, there's nothing really showing that you're from Singapore. Singapore is kind of considered that we're that really rich country that speaks English and everyone wants to move there to find a job. So very much like the U.S. to a certain degree, right? We get a huge amount of immigration. Um, and yet I think that the, the struggle with identity is that how much culture from our ancestors who didn't have like, who didn't have a life that we're afforded now, how much of that do we discard in favor of, you know, in this case, just speaking English exclusively and never wanting to learn another language? Like how... Where does that intersect? Um, so I think that is really the question, like how much, what do we sacrifice? If we sacrifice anything, um, is the cost worth it? And is the benefit worth it? Right? Um, and for me, I, I honestly, I don't think that I should be even the one like asking this question. I think if anyone, I mean, by, if, if you understand like where I came from, um, if I had thought any less about these things, I would never have, I, I would be the last person to kind of, 
hope that people are learning, you know, their heritage because I, I wasn't given any, right. I'm, I'm basically devoid. I wasn't raised in any kind of cultural heritage. Whereas Singaporeans, you know, who are back home, they obviously there's a lot of variation, but for the most part, you are somewhat coherent in understanding that, you know, there are, there are these cultural aspects such as language and dialect uh, and food and intercultural communications, like these things, like there, there are there, you know? So sometimes I, I feel almost like a, I shouldn't really be the one giving the message or like trying <laughs> to push forward the message. I think I sh- sometimes I thought about that. And I think a lot of the feedback and the criticism was also partly because of that. They look at, you know, my quote unquote qualifications and they're like, why are you talking about this? Like if anyone should be talking about it, it shouldn't be you. Like you, you shouldn't be the one to, 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 to call anybody out or, or to, and not that I was calling anyone out. It's just, you shouldn't be the one to, we need someone else more qualified, you know? So yeah. yeah. No, I love that. I love how we're able to really dig deep here and there's still so much more to uncover, yeah. but I'll, I'd like to wrap us up here. Um, really again, someone who's takeaway focused. I know that both you and me, or any third culture kid could have mm-hmm. used a lot of advice or perspective before whether entering, you know, back into their home country, mm-hmm. serving in military, or even just cultural questions of mm-hmm. how to reconcile their identity. Mm-hmm. So if you had one golden nugget of wisdom mm-hmm. to a third culture kid listening, what would it be? I'd, I'd really just go back to the quote. Um, you know, just remember that you're smart enough to know, you, you should be smart enough to know that you're not that smart. Um, I am blown away every day by the people I meet, whether it's, you know, Shanghai or Singapore or here in the U.S. Um, people are strange and different. Like <laughs> sometimes like, and, and, you know, we always make a joke about it. Like, dude, you're so weird. Like I can't even imagine how you grew up or where you came from. Um, but kind of taking the joke out of that and actually assessing it and looking at it, just remember that like there are a lot of people who are different than you and uh, you're not better than anyone else. I know, I know the, you know, power structures of the world indicate that if you have money or you're from a majority race, like it causes you to, to kind of be less cognizant or less aware. I, I, I guess for me, it's just a reminder for everyone to kind of listen more than you speak because you it does wonders for your perspective and your worldview once you stop talking and just listen like listen and learn there's so much like value in all walks of life um and i think the natural progression of listening is that you end up engaging with people who are willing to engage you will find the people who are willing to talk to you willing to equally you know learn alongside you learn from you um and once you foster that kind of mentality, I think that really gets you the furthest. Um, yeah, just in life in general. Um, so yeah, I think that would be the takeaway for me. You know, always, always listen. Like people are, people are weird and strange and just, you never know what you're going to get, but it's just that, just to listen, like, Contrary to common belief, I also think like no, as much as we are different, like we are also not that fundamentally different. Yeah. Like most people don't want different things. Like we all want the same thing, you know. And I won't get political, but in the U.S., I think especially politically and just socially, like people like to like to create a lot of 
labels and factors. Like if you're for this, then you're against this. You know, you, you like to pick a side. And for me, that's a very, I mean, I would just say, I think it's a very counter intellectual way of looking at it. It's a very, I'm better than you. And for me, it's like, dude, nobody cares if who's better than who, like just, just listen, you know, it's not, I think it's important to, to do that. Yeah. So I'd say. Yeah. Appreciate that. And, and the whole point of this, you know, this third space podcast is to listen and right. to uncover these narratives. Right. Right. It's not even exactly. just understanding that each race or culture has differences among one another, mm-hmm. but even within those cultures, mm-hmm. there are differences there to exactly. on the individual level, the person mm-hmm. level. And that comes from listening. That's exactly. not something you can get from a, a podcast <laughs> or a yeah. textbook It's to listen yeah. to people's stories. And thank you for wrapping it up and really just having that resonate deeply with me and the whole purpose for this. So, Sean, Ty, we appreciate your time. So much more to discuss. So maybe we'll table some of those conversations for another time. But happy for you to be part of the second episode of Third Space. Hold up. Wait a minute. Don't leave just yet. I hope you enjoyed the episode, but have two final things. First, thank you so much for being a part of this journey with the Third Space. I appreciate you. Number two, this podcast is only the start of the conversation. Have any thoughts or takeaways? I want to hear from you. So engage with us on Facebook and Instagram at third.culturespace. I hope to see you there and stay tuned for the next episode. Peace.